Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. We are uh, in a series on the Holy Spirit that we're calling My Best Friend. And um, this is a little bit of a different angle. Um, Usually when you talk about the Holy Spirit, you talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts that he gives, and we we may hit some of that. But we've been looking at the relationship that we are called to have with the Holy Spirit, that he can be our best friend. He wants to be our best friend. Before we dive into the new uh, content today, and I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. Uh, I was a little leery about calling it this because I know where your minds would go. Um, But we're going to call this message Friends with Benefits. Come on, y'all, smile at me. Don't act all churchy on me, okay? Uh, We're going to call this Friends with Benefits. And obviously, I'm not talking about where your mind went, okay? The Holy Spirit, let's do a little review. The Holy Spirit, first off, He is a person. Okay? He's a person. He's not an it. He's not a force. He's not a moment. He's not an experience. He is a person. Scripture tells us that he has emotions, and, and, and he has a mind, will, and emotion. He has a personality, much like you and I do. And if he's a person, it helps us, because the reason it helps us, it's, it's impossible to deepen your relationship with, something, with someone that you don't see as a person. If you just see the Holy Spirit as a force or a moment or an experience, why deepen that relationship, right? But if you see him as a person, you will develop that friendship with the Holy Spirit. Secondly, to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, it requires faith. How many of everything in the kingdom of God requires faith? Right? It it just does. Without faith, it's impossible to see God or please God or know God or to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And many people are uncomfortable with the notion of the Holy Spirit because they, they, they want someone or something that they can see face-to-face. That's what they want. They want something they can see. And I know that, you know, that's understandable, but you have to understand the kingdom of God is all about faith. That without faith, you're not going to get anywhere in your relationship with God. Now, I have found that even though you can't see the Spirit, okay, we need to know He can be felt, He can be experienced, and we can observe Him in action. We can watch the Holy Spirit work. Here at Bethesda Church, growing like this in a small town, how many know we have been observing the work of the Holy Spirit? We have been watching Him change lives, okay? We can see that. We can experience that. We can feel that. The third thing in review is that the Holy Spirit wants to be your best friend. Now, though many people try to connect with God theologically or philosophically, um, we, we need to know Scripture makes it clear God is relational. He is relational. I want you to say God is relational. He is relational. And, and we see it even in Genesis chapter 1. When you go to Genesis 1, here, look at what, what the Scripture says. It says, then God said, let us. Now, that's interesting because... He's not made us yet, but he says, let us, okay, make man 
in our image according to our, you see our, let us and our. What was God saying? He's saying, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image according to our Father, Son, Holy Spirit, according to our likeness, okay? So we see with Father, Son, Holy Spirit that they are relational in their interaction with one another. God is relational. He created us to be relational. Secular research also confirms this because they, they've done studies and they have proven that a person without meaningful relationships is three times more likely to die earlier than someone who has significant relationships. And they've even taken it to the next level. They, they have found out that a person who has bad habits, they eat bad, they don't exercise, they smoke, they drink. If they have significant relationships that they live longer, studies have proven, than someone who eats lettuce and runs all the time but has no friends. Because God is, now I'm not saying we need to go live like crazy people and kill ourselves, but I am saying this fall for our small groups, our motto will be join a group or die, all right? That's what we're going to call it. Join a group or die, okay? God is relational. He has created us to be relational, and without significant relationships, our life begins to suffer. And so we have to understand that in our relationship with God, many of us, we, we pray to God the Father, and we do it through Jesus, but we don't understand that the Holy Spirit is a person who wants to be active and involved in our life. He wants to know the details of our life. He wants us to be intimate with Him, but many of us, we neglect the Holy Spirit. We neglect that, that he wants a friendship with us. And so we're going to call this Friends with Benefits. And so many people are struggling, under the sound of my voice today even, people are struggling with decisions they need to make. They're struggling with peace in their hearts. They're, they're, they're struggling to find purpose, all because they're neglecting the relationship with the Holy Spirit. The first person to point this out was Jesus himself. In John's gospel, John chapter 14, 15, and 16, one of the, the final conversations Jesus would have with his disciples, he has just finished washing their feet. How I many know it's amazing to have a Savior that washed our feet? He washed their feet, and by 9 a.m. the next morning, he would be crucified. But in those last few moments, Jesus began to introduce them to this person of the Holy Spirit. He begins to talk to them about why they needed the Holy Spirit. And while he's talking about this, he makes one of the most unbelievable statements in all of Scripture. And it's found in John 16, verse 7. Jesus said, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate or the Holy Spirit will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. All right? So you got to picture this. The disciples are thinking, we're going to set up a kingdom. We're going to take over Rome. We're, we got Jesus with us, right? They're pumped about Jesus walking with them, and now their Savior, Jesus, is looking at them and letting them know that it's going to be better for them that he leaves, so you can imagine the question marks in their mind. How can it be better 
without Jesus. I mean, we've laughed with you for three and a half years. We've cried with you. We've watched you take a little bit of food and multiply it and feed thousands of people. We've watched you walk on. How could it be better that you leave? They're struggling with this concept. How could we trade a human in Jesus that we know personally for a spirit that we cannot see? And I think many of us, if we were to be completely honest, we would trade the Holy Spirit to have Jesus back because we would rather see him face to face. Y'all in this building. All right? Now watch this because in this is, is something critical that we have to grab. Jesus is letting them know, those disciples know, it's going to be better that I leave so I can send the Holy Spirit. It's going to be better for generations to come that I go so I can send the Holy Spirit. Here's the understanding he's given them. If Jesus never left the earth, the Holy Spirit would not be able to live in us. That's what he was communicating. And see, throughout Scripture, if you go to the Old Testament, what you will find is the Holy Spirit would come upon people. And when the Holy Spirit would come upon people, they would do great things. In the New Testament, it wasn't just the Spirit of God coming up on people to do great things. God sent His Son, His only begotten Son. And so now, it wasn't God coming upon them. It was God with them. Emmanuel, God with us in the form of Jesus. But when Jesus died on the cross and He ascended into the heavens on the day of Pentecost, y'all remember that, Acts 2, right? He sent the promise that He's talking about here, which is the Holy Spirit. Jesus was communicating communicating that it would no longer be God on you, it would no longer be God with you, but now it would be God in you, that the Holy Spirit would take up residence on the inside of your heart, and he was saying to the disciples, it's better to have me in you than have me beside you. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in my heart. He takes up residence. He lives in us. See, the problem when Jesus was there, and it's not a problem, you just got to think this through. When he was on the earth, God was contained in Jesus in a physical body. Okay? That's important to understand because he could only be in one place at a time. Okay? Which meant if you needed a healing and you lived here, how I many know you're going to have to get on a plane and fly to Israel and wait in line that's worse than a Black Friday line to get your healing? You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to fight through crowds because he could only be in one place at one time. The Holy Spirit, on the other hand, is everywhere at one time. We don't have limited access to the Holy Spirit. We have continual access to the Holy Spirit 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. How many know if you're in a bind, you can lay hands on yourself? Come on, somebody. The Holy Spirit's with you. He is with you. He has moved into your life. And it's hard for us to imagine that it's better than Jesus being right beside us. But Jesus himself said, it's going to be better to have the Holy Spirit in you than it is me beside you. When we look at Jesus, his life was a picture that was completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. When you look at his life, think about this with even Mary. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was taught by the Holy Spirit. He didn't perform one miracle until after his baptism when the scripture says 
the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. That, that nothing happened in Jesus' life without the Holy Spirit. And the same is true for you and I. We can't change our mindsets, our habits, our addictions in our own power. We can only be transformed by the Holy Spirit. We can only change the course of our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And many of us, we're trying harder, we're studying more, but we're, we're operating in our own power. It's only through the grace of God and the working of the Holy Spirit that my life changes. I can try harder, I can study deeper, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to change in my own power. The Holy Spirit, when he moves in, he starts renovating your heart. He starts, he starts doing a renovation project, and he starts taking out some things that shouldn't be there. He starts depositing some things that you and I need, and, and, and this is going to be hard for some of y'all to handle, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. The Spirit inside of you is better than Jesus beside you. How many of religious people mad right here? The Spirit inside of you is better than Jesus beside you. As he's talking to the disciples, he's pointing them to a foundational truth from John 14 16, you need to go home and read John 14, 15, and 16. Those three chapters, he's, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. Everybody say another. So Jesus said, I, I will ask the Father, and he will give you, he will give you another helper. In this case, the Greek word another means one that is just like the first, or a duplicate. What Jesus was saying is that when the Holy Spirit comes, he's not going to be another type. He's not going to be another version. He's not going to be a watered-down version of me. He's going to be exactly like me. The difference is he's not going to be beside you. He's going to be in you. So, so what, what he's saying, he said, when you're hurting, because the Holy Spirit is in you, when you're hurting, what does that mean? It means Jesus is there. When your marriage is in trouble, what does that mean? It means Jesus is there. When you need a breakthrough in your life, what does that mean? It means Jesus is there. He didn't send a watered-down version of himself. He sent one that was just like him, a duplicate that wouldn't be beside us, but would be in us. And he's there 24-7. He's an ever-present help in the time of need. He's not lesser in power. He's not lesser in persona. He's always loving, always present, and always able. And the word Jesus used to describe the Holy Spirit here is the word helper. Everybody say helper. He said he's going to send you another, one just like me, a duplicate, helper. The word helper is where we're pulling out the benefits, okay? Because in this word helper, there's several, it's multi-layered in its meaning. The first thing that I want you to get from helper, this is where we get friends with benefits, okay? Helper means the Holy Spirit is a counselor, okay? That word helper means counselor. The Holy Spirit is a counselor. And this is not insinuating that you're going to come into my office and lay down on the couch and talk about your childhood. It's not that kind of counseling, this kind of counseling that, 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 that it's referred to in this passage is one who instructs and gives information like a teacher or those who advise us onto certain paths like a guide. 
So there's two meanings under, under with counselor. It means teacher and guide. So the, let's look at the first one. He is a teacher. John 14, 26. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. He will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've, I've said to you. Have you ever had a teacher who wasn't passionate about teaching? You know what I'm talking about. Like, they're teaching, but you know they, they hate students. Like, you would rather have a root canal than attend their class. Come on, y'all. They're not passionate about it. They don't want to be there. You're like, they need a new job. And, and some of y'all thinking about names right now, aren't you? you? There's names popping through your head. The great news about the Holy Spirit is that he's passionate about teaching the Word of God to us. He's passionate about us growing in our relationship with the Father and in our relationship with the Word of God. He's also extremely passionate about you. And he has very good qualifications to teach us. He says that he will come and he will teach us all things. I don't need a Hebrew lesson or a Greek lesson to know that all things means all things. That the Holy Spirit can help you in every area of your life. That means that when you tap into the benefits of your best friend through the person of the Holy Spirit, you need to know he already knows everything about anything and you can ask him about it and he can give you direction. How to be married, he knows about it. How to forgive someone, he's an expert. How to do algebra, no problem. How to handle finances, it doesn't even tax him. Come on, y'all. Y'all here? He knows all things. He knows all things. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, he knows all things. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. He knows all things. For anyone, though, that has ever struggled with the Bible, because he said the last part of the verse, he said he likes to teach us and to remind us, right, of everything God has said to us. I got to pause for just a minute. Has God ever told you something and somehow life happened, stuff happened, and God had told you something, but through everything you had gone through, you had forgotten? Come on, you've been there. You had a word from God. You moved. You functioned in it. You believed it. You stood on it. But then life comes, storms come, problems come, and, and all of a sudden we're, we're in a place where we, we done forgot what he said. And we're listening to the voice of the devil, but it's oftentimes in that moment if we, if, that the Holy Spirit will speak to our heart and remind us, do you not remember what Daddy said? Do you not remember what the Father told you? And it's hard because if you're not careful, if you're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you'll forget what God has said, and, and He wants to be, and, and, and this promise is so powerful because when I first got saved, I'll be honest with you, I love Jesus with all my heart, but reading the Bible, to me, was about as interesting as watching paint dry. Like, God, I love you, but I don't know what this says. And part of the problem was, is that I had not invited the Holy Spirit into my reading. There is a difference between reading and revelation. You can read all day long, but if the Holy Spirit doesn't make that what you're reading revelation to your heart, you're not going to change because Ephesians says that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom 
and revelation. I want to encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit into your quiet time to, and ask him, help me. To, to, to understand what I'm reading, that it's not just words on paper, but it's revelation that has the ability to change my life. Oftentimes in his teaching, he reminds us of things that he has said in his word. But how many of you understand you can only be reminded of something you have experienced? And I'm going to be hard on you for just a minute. The Holy Spirit cannot remind us if we haven't given him inventory of Scripture to pull from. If you haven't put anything in here, he has nothing to remind you of. If you've not been in the Word, there is nothing for him to remind you of. And you may think at certain times I'm not getting anything out of the Word, but it'll be in that moment the Holy Spirit will say, remember what you read on Tuesday morning at 7 before work? Do you remember how that, that popped off the page? And he will remind you. But you got to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. Some of us may be like, yeah, I got my Word. Pastor gives it to me on Sunday. How many of you are going to need more than a Sunday word? You better be putting more in than a Sunday word. You got to give the Holy Spirit some, some inventory to pull from. So he counsels us like a teacher, but he also counsels us like a guide. And John 16 and 13, it says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. One of the most important benefits of the Holy Spirit is the gift of direction, the gift of guidance. And there are people in this room, I would just say everyone in this room, at some level of your life, you are looking for direction. You're looking for guidance. You're, you're, you're trying to decide, should I take that job? Should I move to this city? Should I marry that person? Should I, should I invest in that that? Uh, company should I, what what should I do when, what what should I study when I go to college we're all how I many we're all searching for direction all of us need guidance and one of the benefits of the Holy Spirit is guidance Isaiah 48 and 17 I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit who leads you by the way you should go God will direct your steps if you're having a hard time with your children pause and pray I mean that's a good idea you don't always know what's best. You don't always know what to do. There are times it feels like you have more questions than answers. That's a good time to pause and say, Holy Spirit, how should I do this? If you're in sales or have a business you need to, and you're running low on leads and it's looking like your business is about to be cut off, you need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give you some leads. You know what's wrong with the church? We think it's only spiritual when we're in here dancing. Whoop, whoop. Now, you need to be spiritual out on the job, running your business, working wherever you work, teaching those students. You need the Holy Spirit to direct you and to guide you. And he wants to do that. He wants to provide it for your life. He's that inward vo voice showing us the right direction. And I want to be extremely clear here because I don't want anybody to get any crazy ideas. The Holy Spirit never, never contradicts the word. Not going to happen. Oh, pastor, I, I just, I've heard from the Lord. God told me to divorce my wife and marry my secretary. How many know that's not the Holy Spirit? That's hormones. You got people that get crazy. And the reason so many people use God said is because you can't argue with God. 
How many know God gets blamed for a lot of stuff he didn't say? Y'all all right, I know it's July, but I came with a word today. Y'all ready for this? He wants to give you direction. He wants to guide you. He is an inward voice that will show you the way you should take. But, but, but how many of the enemy will keep us in turmoil as much as he can to keep us from taking a moment to stop and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? The Bible is our map and the Spirit is our guide. You can tweet that one. The Bible is our map. The Spirit is our guide. He wants to guide us. He wants to give us direction. So he's our counselor. That's the first benefit. The second benefit is he's comforter. When Jesus was talking to the disciples about the Holy Spirit, they struggled to understand because they were preoccupied with him being crucified. They were preoccupied with him talking about leaving and dying and all that stuff because they thought, we're going to set up a kingdom. It's going to start now. We're going to take over Rome. This is happening now. This is the kingdom of God. And, and they didn't understand Jesus was setting up a kingdom, but it was going to look a little bit different than what they had expected, that it would be an invisible kingdom that he would set up. Not that we can't see parts of the kingdom. We're seeing that here at Bethesda, right? We're seeing the expansion of the kingdom. But they didn't fully comprehend that. Um, and, and Jesus knew not only did they not understand fully what he was talking about, he knew that they would face uncertain days, that there would be times that they would come up against things that they did not see coming. How many know life doesn't tell us what it's going to do? You, you can't predict what you're going to be facing. You can't predict what kind of family problems you're going to have or financial problems you're going to have or health problems you're going to have. You can't always predict that. But Jesus was letting them know that one of the benefits of the Holy Spirit is that he is a comforter. And, and I love this word comforter because the meaning of this, it means one who picks up the other end of a heavy log that you are carrying. Think about that for a minute. The Holy Spirit sees you struggling to carry. I'm going to spill that water. He sees you struggling to carry the stuff you are carrying, but as a comforter, if we will invite him, he says, I will come alongside you, and all that heavy stuff that you're trying to carry on your own that seems so heavy, I'll pick up the other end of it. I'll come alongside. I'll be your helper, and I will help you carry that. I will make what feels heavy become light. What are you carrying today that needs his care? What is it that you brought into this place that you're dragging around? Because you've not asked the Holy Spirit to help you. The Holy Spirit is counselor, he's comforter, and lastly, he's convictor. This one's going to take me some time. I had to get here in a hurry. He's convictor. Everybody say convictor. John 16 and 8 says, and he when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Conviction is a word that tends to make us stop in our tracks. When we hear the word conviction, many of us, we have thoughts of an angry preacher. Come on, you grew up in the same church I did. An angry preacher that made me feel, made you feel like you would never escape hell that you had no hope, no way of getting out, no future. You were just miserable. You had no value. That's A lot of us, when we think of conviction, that's what we think of. 
But the truth is, conviction is misunderstood and often underappreciated as a benefit of the Holy Spirit. See, God knows that sin is a part of our condition. How many of you understand God knows our condition? He knows that when we come into the world, we are messed up. That we come with a lot of baggage, a lot of issues, a lot of sin, a lot of mistakes, a lot of decisions that we regret. When the Holy Spirit moves into our heart and starts renovating, he, he, has ch- he, he wants to change us and change, not just change us, He wants to change our desires. Part of, of the Holy Spirit renovating our heart is changing our desires. When you get, before you got saved, how many of you had all kinds of crazy desires? You wanted to do A, B, C, and D, and none of it was in accordance with the will of God. But when you get saved, how many of your desires start changing? You want to do the right thing. You want to be a better husband. You want to be a better dad. You want to be a better businessman. You want, there, there's just things that your desires start changing because you want to live in a way that glorifies God. And so when we get saved, okay, we don't lose our old nature completely. And, and what I mean by it, you are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But as long as you live in a physical body, you will have some desires that don't line up with the Word. You will have some mindsets that don't line up with the Word. So one of the things the Holy Spirit does is He helps us to learn how to walk in our new nature. He reminds us of who we are. His role is to spotlight areas of our life where sin hides, areas of our life where we justify maybe selfish behaviors or whatever it is, he puts light on that and he reminds us of our new nature, okay, and and what our spiritual priorities should be. A lot of people, they get saved and, and they see other people doing great things, but they think in themselves, I could never do great things in the kingdom. And the reason they don't do great things in the kingdom is because they continue to look at the old person. They get stuck in who they were. You're not the same person you used to be. You are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And the Holy Spirit is there to remind you of not what you used to be, but who you are now and who God is calling you to be. I want to encourage you, don't get stuck in who you were yesterday or last week, but ask the Holy Spirit to show you what he's doing today. What are you doing in my heart today? See, the reason conviction is a sore subject for many is because they confuse conviction with condemnation. We confuse the two. Scripture says the Holy Spirit will convict of sin and promises that there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. So what is the difference between conviction and condemnation? Well, we can start by comparing the names of the Holy Spirit as opposed to Satan. Think about this. The Holy Spirit is called the advocate, one who comes alongside and fights with you, helps you, right? Satan, he's called the accuser. He is constantly putting you down. These two voices differ considerably. Think about this. Condemnation tells people that it's hopeless. Conviction tells people there's always hope. Condemnation tells us we're not worthy of God's love. Conviction tells us it's proof of God's love. Check this out. I'm going to give you three points and then we'll quit. Hit your neighbor and say he's getting there. The first one, the first one, get this. Conviction puts down sin, condemnation puts down people. 
Conviction puts down sin. Condemnation puts down people. I want you to hear your pastor today. God never attacks my value. God never attacks your value. How do you know that, Pastor? While we were yet sinners, on your worst day, you know what he chose to do? Die. Some of you struggle with value, and you think it's God. That's the enemy. Condemnation attacks value. Conviction never, never does. Conviction helps me to lay things down that are destructive in my life. Condemnation causes me to put people down. See, we, we confuse people sometimes. We think they are what they did. God doesn't do it that way. Oh, they're just a junkie. Oh, he's an addict. He's an adulterer. Think about the prodigal son for just one moment. Went away, spent all of his daddy's money, lived a crazy party lifestyle, and when he came home, he came home with a mindset, I'm not valuable anymore, so I'll just ask daddy if he'll give me a job like a hired servant because they have it better than what I have it now. But when he comes back, he's met with a father who's not just waiting on him. The Bible says the father saw him a long way off, took off running towards his son, gave him a brand new coat, put some shoes on his feet, and had the fatted calf killed and threw a party. Because God never attacks value. You're not what you did. I wish I had about another hour. When God speaks, and this is, this is, this is important, when God speaks, He tells you exactly what's wrong and how to change it. When He speaks, He's very specific. When God is speaking, he's very specific. You have to understand this about condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is like a dark cloud of guilt. It's vague. It's undefined. It's just I feel hopeless and worthless. I'm not valuable. I'll never change. Conviction is always specific. It's clear. And, and it leaves as soon as you respond to it. Condemnation never leaves. Second thing, worship team, y'all better help, come help me land this plane. Conviction moves us ahead. Condemnation says your future is dead. Conviction is God's loving hand steering us back to the path that leads to life. Picture a parent or parents who have a toddler. God help us, right? We came downstairs yesterday, and Everly, she's gotten into this mode. She's 18 months old. She's gotten this mode to climb stuff. Y'all know that stage? Miserable, right? Because you never know. We come downstairs, and not only has she climbed up on the kitchen chair, she has climbed up on the table, standing there playing with the, the decor, thinking, no clue. She has no clue she's in danger. No clue at all. Now, what kind of parents would we be? We went, oh, that's cute. <laughs> Hi, baby. You just keep playing. How I many of that would be negligent? See, conviction, what we don't understand about conviction, when the Holy Spirit convicts us, it's out of love to correct us, but the end result of conviction is God is trying to bring you to safety. If you're not in a relationship with Jesus and you feel a tug on your heart right now, 
It's not that God's mad at you. He's trying to show you there's a better way. There's a better way to live. That the, the, the direction you're going is going to lead to destruction. So conviction is God's way of bringing us to safety. Isaiah 30, 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Unlike Satan, who is constantly tempting us, the Spirit gently redirects us to something better than temptation. That's the Holy Spirit's work. Conviction puts down sin. Condemnation puts down people. Conviction moves us ahead. Condemnation says that our future is dead. And the last thing, conviction leads to correction before destruction. Conviction leads to correction before destruction. Understanding that conviction brings life is one of the most valuable lessons I've ever learned. Listen, without conviction of the Holy Spirit, I would have messed my life up in a terrible way. And listen, I wouldn't be standing here preaching to you involved in ministry had I ignored the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I'm where I'm at today because of conviction. The Holy Spirit bringing you to a safe place. The Holy Spirit being specific on things that you need to work on. And as you stand to your feet this morning, the last thing I would encourage you is this. The Holy Spirit never gives up on us. The Holy Spirit never gives up on us. You say, well, Pastor, I've made a lot of mistakes. Well, who hasn't? Guys, Bethesda Church, listen, Bethesda Church, I've said it for a long time. We're, we're not here for the people that think they've, all, they've got it all figured out. This church is here for people that know they're messed up. I say it all the time. We're a bunch of misfits that have been radically saved by the grace of God. That's what we are. As I was preaching, somebody just got saved online. Isn't that awesome? I want you to bow your head, close your eyes for just a minute. We're going to wrap up, but that tug on your heart, if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus, if you're watching online, you feel that, man, I just need to know, I need to invite Jesus into my heart. I need to be saved. That's the Holy Spirit. The benefit of the Holy Spirit is conviction to bring you into a relationship with God. We can't get to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draw us. That is the Holy Spirit you feel in this place. He's the one that saves, brings people into a relationship with God. That's Him you feel. So I'm going to ask you, if you're in this place, you say, I don't know Jesus, but Pastor, I want to know Him. I want to be saved. I want to know that my sins are forgiven. I want to leave here differently than I came in. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you. But right there where you are, would you just throw your hand up and say, that's me. I want to know Jesus. Thanks for these two hands in the middle. God bless you. One over here. God bless you. Where are you at? Anybody else? You say, that's me, Pastor. I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. If you're watching online, you can click there, and we will pray with you. Anyone else, before we pray, just throw your hand up and say, that's me. I want to know Jesus. Bethesda, we're going to pray with these hands that have gone up. Every voice lifted. Come on. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your conviction, Holy Spirit. I ask you today, Jesus, come into my heart. 
forgive me for all my sins. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate those individuals. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.